Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. How difficult has your life been up to now? Have you given a voice to the difficulties? It's time to break the silence. Temporary difficulties end and your response to them determine how you live life after your difficulties. So respond well and live. You are listening to the Patricia Adams Live radio show where we discuss life's difficult topics. Stick around. everybody, welcome. We hope to enlighten your mind and lighten your heart with each episode as we talk over difficult life topics. Help you find your voice and discover that there is life after difficulties. If this is your first time listening, thanks for coming. Come back often and feel free to add the episode to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at Pat Adams Live and the show's website, patriciaadamslive.com. All contact links are in the show notes, and the MP3 will be available after the episode for downloading. Now, let's get into the show. Hi, everybody. Thanks so much for joining. Thanks for tuning in. For those of you who are listening in the listening audience, on the Internet, in the chat room, and online with us, um, I want to introduce our guest today. His name is Jonathan Anthony Burkett. He is an author, a lyricist, and an aspiring poet, i.e. an entrepreneur. And his favorite motto is, faith doesn't get you around problems in life and relationships. It gets you through it. So Jonathan is a bright, outstanding writer, inspired by many, as he says he continues to struggle in life. He's devoted for achievement in his lifetime, and he's willing to take any test. He told himself that he would never give up, no matter the trials and tribulations. He decided to write to help him move towards a bright future for himself 
and because he knows that's what his grandparents want for him. Jonathan Anthony Burkett, his life changed dramatically in the year 2005 after he survived the surgery that he was told would better his life. Miraculously, it did, along with his mind about life. A young man now dedicated towards achieving goals in life without his uh, GED, his high school diploma, he had now looked at himself as in the world. Having the urge now to get himself back into school to get either his GED, high school diploma, and held back from it because his mind was too blocked up with all the problems that he was having still in his life. After days of thinking about how he was going to handle all of his living problems, he had gotten the idea to just find a good job and to save up until he was able to provide everything that he needed so that he may feel uplifted and then ready to strive for success. However, mistakes were made and jobless, he became once again. That's when he remembered what he told himself, what he wanted to do if he survived his surgery, and that was to share his life story with the world for many to see how merciful our Father God is to his children. So in the future, Jonathan will be, of course, writing more books along with having goals on becoming a scriptwriter, songwriter, actor, and more things that he loves to do as doors begin to open up for him. So patiently, Jonathan is still waiting for it was meant to be. Victory will be in one of his open doors that he will someday walk right through. So we hope that the open doors here at Patricia Adams Live will get him a little bit closer and someone will listen to this broadcast and reach out to him. So without any further delay, we are going to go live with our uh, guest, Jonathan Anthony Burkett. Jonathan? Hello. How are you doing today, Patricia? Thank you so much. Thank you so much uh, for joining us. Yes, yes, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. Um, You know, I gave that bio uh, information about you. And I was inspired when I saw your book cover. And so I kind of want to bring that up really, really, like, early in the show, okay? So uh, what captured my attention was the title of his, one of his books, because he's written several books. But this particular one is a part of his biography. And for for those of you who are online, it's in the show page, our URL information. It says, Neglected but Undefeated the life of a boy who never knew a mother's love. And I'm looking at the cover design, and there's like this huge belt on the cover, and there's pictures of a little boy at different stages in his life. And then there is also a picture of a young man um, on what looks like life support with uh, all types of tubes and things uh, coming in and out of him and um, the EKG machine and everything showing uh, vital signs. So tell us about this book cover, because that's what caught my attention. Yeah, about the book cover, um, the three pictures, uh, you know, pictures of me when I was growing up in Jamaica, um, and, you know, those were like, I would say like the happiest, you know, even though I'm not really smiling too much, but, you know, those were the happiest times of my life. And everything, and um, it was those three pictures right there that I always look at. I always look at growing up, you know, remembering about, you know, how much I was loved back then, and everything. So, you know, I always make sure I kept them for, you know, motivation because it always reminded me of my grandparents, 
and how much they loved me and how much, you know, truthfully, you know, they had real love for me, unlike how my mother says no one loved me in the world. So uh, I miss, I put those three pictures up there to, um, as a view of, you know, what I used to always look at to give me inspiration because I always remind me of back then in Jamaica when I was really experiencing true love. Um, the picture of me now on the bed with the uh, EKG and um, all these other tubes inside of me was when my life changed um, after my mother really had told me that she didn't love me and she didn't want me, you know, in her life and she wanted me to die. And, you know, um, it was the night before, you know, I was there talking to her and, you know, a lot of things I said, and I, you know, I tried talking to her again that next morning about what she said to me about, you know, I'm not meant to be. She doesn't want me. Um, she doesn't want me in her life or nothing. And you know, I completely, I completely flipped. But as you know, you know, time went on. It's like I kept, I kept holding it in all day. The next thing I know, I just flipped. And I just said, I don't deserve to be here if my own mother doesn't love me. Because, you know, in this life, you know, um, growing up, you know, Mother's Day is like one of the most, you know, celebrated holidays. And how I look at it, you know, is your mother is the one that's supposed to love you the most. And if my mother doesn't love me, then, well, you know, why am I here? You know, how did I get here? And everything. And I just, like, completely flip. I asked her, do you love me? That same day, and she told me no. Um, as soon as she told me, she just left. I just ended up just flipping out, um, started crying, breaking things in the house. I was at the age of, like, 14, breaking things in the house and, you know, talking to my father, God, asking why am I here. And then right then and there, I was about to commit suicide because I felt like I wasn't meant to be here. And next thing I know, I just passed out right before I was about to stab myself. And then um, I woke up sitting on the couch. Next next thing I know, I woke up the next morning, and um, I got ready for school. And the minute I went into school, um, I, I kissed my girlfriend hello, and that was like, the last thing I remembered. I woke up in the hospital like two, three days later um, with laying down in the bed with, you know, IVs inside of me. And people, you know, nurses over me and stuff, telling me I'm a lucky young boy to still be alive because I said I caught over like 16 seizures in one day and continuously catching seizures back to back every day. So those are like um, the picture of me in the bells are one of my most memorable, and as well as the pictures of the three pictures of me on the top, most memorable happy moments. And the bottom one, you can say the most surprising, sad, life-changing, you know, dramatic moment in my life. Hello? Okay, so um, so on the cover, the one at the bottom, you were hospitalized, like, in intensive care because you had um, been having seizures again. At that point, and you talk about having a surgery, so they performed a surgery on you to help with the seizures. No, um, that that picture was when I was like fourteen. 
Um, they wanted me to have surgery because they saw that a blood vessel had popped in my brain and that um mm. that, that that day was for like a blood vessel, like a vein had popped in my brain. And um they wanted to perform something but they couldn't get a hold of my mother because when my mom I guess when my mother found out that I was in the hospital, you know, it was, she didn't want nothing to do with me. Like she told me, you know, the reason why she didn't come in the hospital is because she wanted me to die and stuff. And um, the doctors finally got in contact with her through police. And, you know, one time they told her that I needed surgery, um, she told them no because, you know, she wanted me to die. Um, I wasn't able to, so I wasn't able to do the surgery until I was 18 years old because I had no other guardian to sign for it. And when you're under 18 on a emergency, that, that was like a, um, they said I had like a, a 50, 50, 50, you know, percent chance of dying and living through the surgery. That's amazing. That's amazing. So for four years, you had to just wait and hope and crave that you didn't die um, before you got the surgery. Yeah, um, no, it was, it was mostly I was praying for death. Um, one reason why I never really, the, a couple of times, a lot of times I tried to kill myself, but it was like every time I tried to kill myself, I would catch a seizure. And then um, one time, um, you know, I, I felt like a seizure coming on me, so I walked in the middle of the road. Um middle of traffic, like on a, you know, like a little busy intersection, you know, hoping just to, you know, die, and I ended up waking up in the hospital surviving. And, you know, somebody, you know, different people had talked to me, they, they knew and saw and heard what was going on with me. And, you know, uh, it was just basically everybody was just telling me that, you know, if you commit suicide like that, you know, you're going to go to hell and, you know, um, hell is not, you know, of course, one place that, you know, anybody wants to go. So, you know, it's, I just kept on trying to, you know, just hoping that I would just die. Because, you know, I wanted to go to heaven with my grandfather and somebody that I felt that loved me. And my grandmother was still alive, but um, I didn't want to, you know, call her, and, you know, because she was old age. I didn't want to call her and put no pressure on her that it was out in an early death for her. So I just kept that to myself. So right now, then, is your mom or your, your grandmom still alive? No, uh, my grandmother passed away last year. You know, I made sure I made it to her funeral. But before she passed away, mm-hmm. you know, I went to go see her and stuff. And um, she read my book, and, you know, she she had me for, like, 30 minutes crying, you know, because she always used to wonder why, like, every time when I was young, I used to always go to Jamaica, and I wanted to tell her what was going on, but yet still I never wanted to you know, stress her, but I always used to, like, try to, like, um, hide my passport whenever I found out it was time for me to go back to America, and she used to always wonder why I never wanted to go back. I always wanted to stay with her, but I never really told her because, you know, I didn't want to stress her. I didn't want to put the pressure on her, and I know she'll argue with my mother for me and stuff, you know. Um, my mother, she's still alive. Um, you know, we're, we're, you know, connecting a little 
connecting a little bit. We don't have like a real mother son relationship because you know the real reason why you know I'm, I'm even like a rock here is because you know I have two younger brothers that of course I want to be there for um, because nobody was there for me so I know how that feels so I want to be there for them you know through their young years um, be their encouragement and motivation um, towards you know being um, a better person in life and staying in school something I wish I was able to do and going to college something else I wish I was able to do and stuff you know Okay. Well, that's powerful. That's, that's really powerful. Um, and I'm glad that you made it through all that. I'm glad, um, you know, in, in some ways we can be thankful for the seizures because the seizures seem to be the thing that was interfering with you being able to kill yourself. So um, we have to kind of look at that as a bittersweet um, reprieve because most definitely um, we do want to be having bound. So I'm glad that you did not succeed at that. <laughs> glad you succeeded at the other things that you're attempting to do, but I'm glad you did not succeed at that. Um, and also with, um, there was a part that I read also in uh, your story, and I don't know if you are comfortable sharing it or if you want to share it, but um, you were trying to figure out why um, when you came from Jamaica and your grandparents sent you to the U.S. to live with your mom Right before the line dropped, is that when you were sent 
from the U.S. Uh, to America, I mean, from Jamaica to the U.S. to live with your mom, uh, you mentioned that from the time that she laid eyes on you when you walked in the door, you could tell that she did not have any love in her heart for you. And um, so you later figured out why she didn't have love in her heart for you. Do you want to talk about that, or is that something that's kind of off limits? Um, you know, from the from the moment that my mother first um, saw me, you know, um, I stepped out of the airport with my um, the man I thought who was my father. But I found out he wasn't. Um, uh, all she was doing was just staring at me, and uh, I didn't immediately move in with her. I moved in with her friend, um, somebody that helped her out. Uh, one time she came from Jamaica, and all I could see was her just um just this woman just staring at me and I ended up calling her friend mom because I was over here thinking that was my mom because my grandma and my grandfather said that that's who I was gonna go live with with my mother. And the guy that um it was real confusing because and because my stepfather, man I thought my real father and stuff, my grandma told me that was my father and it was real confusing for me because the person that was uh, I was calling my mom was a, with another guy, and my father was with this lady that just kept looking at me and staring at me like, like who the hell are you? Um, you know, if I went close to her, she would just walk away or give me her back. You know, uh, she wouldn't say nothing to me if I asked her like, "What? Why are you looking at me for?" You know, she wouldn't even reply to me or nothing. You know, she just kept you know just staring at me. And, you know, it was real confusing. I used to, I was there asking myself for like a while, who is this woman? You know, why she keep looking at me like that for? And out of nowhere, she just comes after a couple of weeks, out of nowhere, she just came to the house and said, pack up your stuff. Um, it's time for you to start school and stuff. And I'm like, where are you taking me to? And she, and she was like, don't ask me no questions. Just pack up your stuff and let's go. And then um, later I called my mom. I was like, where is lady taking to me? And she um, she said, you're about to move in with your mom. And I'm like, I thought you was my mom and stuff. And it was a like, real confusing thing because, you know, was, who was my real mom? And this woman just seemed like she was like my enemy more than my mother and stuff. So it was like real confusing for me. And from the moment that I moved in with her, she... Um, never wanted me by her as far as us eating dinner, breakfast, she never used to cook for me or nothing. Um, whenever like my my stepfather ate and stuff, I the only thing I used to get was probably his leftovers because he would probably think that I ate and he was the type of person that, you know, he'd get a meal, he never finished it, he always ate like half of it. And like that half that he left over, you know, was mine. It was my dinner or my breakfast and stuff. And he always used to think that um, she fed me because she'll ask, she'll ask her. I mean, he'll ask her, um, did he eat already? And she'll always say, yeah. And uh, before I could even say anything, she'd have sent me in my room um, telling me to shut up or whatever and stuff. And, you know, he always used to think I ate, but I never did. The only time I used to eat was, like, on the weekends or at school 
and stuff. And until he finally started realizing that, you know, my own mother doesn't like me one time, you know, she um, he caught her in a lie, um, saying that, you know, I ate and I did this and I did that. And, you know, and he was like, how did he eat? And I was here when you cooked and I didn't see you give him anything. You know, she caught him. He caught her in a lie. So from then, you know, it's you know every time I wouldn't eat until he came. Sometimes, and then you know he'll make sure either he left over some food for me if she only made food for him, or he'll give me you know some of his food. It was at different times, and everything. A lot of stuff was going on. Wow. Well, that's another thing to be thankful for. You didn't die from starvation. So, yeah, that was, that was pretty rough. That was pretty rough. And so nobody picked up on that at school or anything? No, you know, um, I grew up in Jamaica. So, you know, as far as me talking, that was, that was like one of my main issues because, you know, growing up in Jamaica is like what goes on in the house stays in the house. <laughs> you, know, if, you know, if you talk, you know, that's like, that's like an automatic death right there, you know. If you if you know somebody did this or did that, and it's none of your business or um, something going on in your house, if your mother beats you, you know, and that's between you and your mother. If this person get killed, that's between you, that person, that dead person. And if you open up your mouth, you know, that's like an automatic, you know, like death right there. So that's how I grew up. That's why I don't really talk, you know. Because, well, you know, I was gonna let like you know that that's not um, that's just not to Jamaica. That <laughs> that was uh, the way things were for me in the United States of America. So don't want you to you know. I think that Jamaica was the only place that that happened. It happened, and it's still happening right here in the United States of America, where it's kind of what goes on in this house stays in this house, and uh, a lot of children are you know suffering because of that. So. Um, Again, you know, that's another thing that I'm glad that you survived um, that as well. But um, I know that in the midst of everything that um, the situation with your father, um, have you had contact in that regard? Or? No, um, I still don't know who my father is. I know his name because my mother used to beat me calling his name. But um, I never, like, I never really... It's, it's like I'm more focused on myself more than, you know, um, finding him or I'm not even thinking about my past or anything like that because mm-hmm. I, I truly believe if he really wanted to, you know, know who I am or anything because I found out that that was my, that was my mother's boyfriend when she first came from Jamaica um, and, you know, he abused her, I guess, one, one night when, she didn't want to have sex and everything. And I even asked her friend that she used to live with who this person is, and she even knew who the guy is. So it's like I kind of I kind of have a feeling that if he really wanted to know who I am and everything, that he would have already been able to get in contact with me because I was like with different contacts and stuff. So, you know, if he, I was just like, you know, if he don't want to know who I am or whatever, Fine, you know. I mean, of course, I was curious because you know, calling a man, for, you know, dad that wasn't my dad. So I was wondering, of course, who's my father? 
and stuff. And but then I heard like the whole story from one of her friends. It was like, a, you know, I kind of beat around the bush. My mother told me this, told me that. Is it true? And stuff. And you know, they they told me, but they was, but they told me that they won't tell me or who he is though, or you know where he's at. They they said they want my mother to tell me that. And you know, see. I never really, you know, really had like a discussion with her about it before, so I'm just like, I'm fine. So I never know. He probably, he probably was one of the guys that came to the house, you know. And I never know. It probably I mean, he saw me. I never know. Yeah. There was a lot of people. There was a lot of people when I first came from Jamaica. There was a lot of people that um, knew about me, and they used to come in and say hi to me and talk and. Um, that I never knew, and I was always, I was used to wonder, you know, was that guy my father, was that guy, or did that lady know who my father is, and, you know, I used to always wonder that, but, you know, as I grew up now and everything, I'm just like, whatever, you know, if he really wanted to know who I was, and, you know, be in my life, you know, he would have been had, you know, got in contact with me, so... You know, it's kind of amazing um, on that scenario. I was almost 30 before I found my father. And I'm putting the pieces together, you know, trying to figure out who, you know, my dad was. And I just went through the same thing. We're trying to figure out all the pieces about my family. So I do understand that. And it was amazing because I remember when I did uh, find my father and I reached out to my father that basically we probably connected for maybe about a year, if, if that. Um, but at no time had he, you know, come after me after, you know, a certain period of time. But I needed to know, you know, for myself. I'm not saying this in your case because, you know, my case was different uh, in regards to what you're talking about. Um, and so since um, you won't you know, really have to put that out there just like that because it's a conversation you haven't had with your mom or anything. Um, I won't, you know, get into that with you. But basically, um, I do understand And sometimes um, the people that we think we want to know or the, the people that we think that we need to find or we need to meet don't end up being that fairy tale of, you know, we just as kids think, oh, you know, my dad's this, my mom's this, thought or whatever. And then when you actually meet them, it's normally the flip side of that. And so it doesn't always turn out well when you do find them. So if you've made peace with that, you know, then that that's what works for you. So um, it's always an issue that you have the right to reevaluate at any time in your life. But if you're at peace with it right now, then, you know, I'm happy for you in that regard. Um, I want to uh, put your contact information out. So I've got all of your information, and how much of it do you want me to give out, or feel free to give out whatever you want to give out of how people yeah. can get in touch with you, your website and everything. Yeah, um, you, can't, um, you can visit me online at www.jonathanburkett.com. That's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-B-U-R-K-E-T-T.com. Um Facebook is easy. Look me up, Jonathan Anthony Burkett. Um, feel like to email me, um, John Burkett eighty seven at yahoo dot com. J o h n b u r k e t t eight seven at yahoo dot com. 
Okay. All right. You know, I know you also have some book trailers out on YouTube. Do you want to point people to um, your information on YouTube? Yeah. Um, it's John Burkett, uh, 87, same as like my email. You just, you just type my email address, and it'll just come, come right up. And I have you know, a few you know, book trailers about my book, um, you know, it catch you know, readers' interest. And um, people looking for inspiration because you know, I really looked at my book as you know uplifting, inspirational type of book. As um, you know, in time, you know, people are not having no faith, feeling neglected, feeling no purpose. Um, you know, that's what my trailer is basically about. And you need you know like motivation and everything, or a story to read. Go read my book or my quotes or my poems. Because right. I think on one of your trailers that I looked at on YouTube, it um, had it had gotten so bad at home that you were, like, sleeping in the park on, on benches and things like that. Yeah. Um, after after the um, – I was in the hospital for, you know, a couple of days and everything, and mm-hmm. the doctors wanted my mother's signature to – you know, for the surgery and for, you know, medication and a couple other things. Um, you know, she took me right out because she said she wasn't going to pay no bill. And um, soon she took me out, and I guess a couple bills came in and everything. She just kicked me right out of the house um, and stuff. And, you know, I was just, I was just like, fine, you know, you don't love me anyways. And I had... I had, you know, friends and everything and stuff, and I would sleep at different friend houses because I didn't want my parents to know that I was homeless and everything. Um, I kept, like, um, my my bag in one of my friend cars. Um, and, you know, that's how that was going. But it was just the whole fact of a lot of times having dinners with different families, and I used to always get jealous, you know, hearing another mother um, telling, you know, one of my friends, I love you, you know, have a good night, you know, and, you know, talking to them in a motherly way with love. I used to always get jealous, and, you know, sometimes I would just end up just walking out the house and, you know, um, you know, all upset and stuff, and I would just go to the park and just sit down and stay there all night or um, go to the bus stop. Uh, I always not sleep. I just sit down on the bench for like all six, eight hours waiting for the sun to come up. Then I go back to the house. Um, they always used to ask me what happened or whatever. I said I went home. Uh, I'll take a shower and then we'll just go to school and stuff, you know. But, you know, a lot of them didn't realize um, it until the police got involved that I was homeless and stuff. Wow. You know, I never used to see that. the police Did they take you away? No, they kept on. Um, they kept on telling my mother that she needs to bring me back in the house because I was underage. She told them that she didn't want me, and she couldn't get me out of the house. So she tried to. Um, she got me mad one day, telling me like a lot of stuff and just to piss me off. And like, you know, I punched holes in the wall and stuff, and I broke a few things. 
she called the police, and I just told them, go ahead, you know, just take me away and stuff. They arrested me and put me in juvenile. Um, she tried to press eight charges on me, but only, like, one went through, and that was just for destruction of property because um, she was just saying that I hit her. Um, I um, slammed her head. I bruised this, all this stuff, and I sold up her arm. But then... I'm, I was I was big. You know, I used to weigh like 255 pounds, and the judge looked at me, and the judge looked at her, and you know, judges like I'm sure if this boy ever put his hands on you, you know, you have more than bruises. So they didn't believe anything that she told her. Um, that anything that gonna judge, um, you know, was their reading and stuff, and same thing with like all the parents in there, some of them were just like, what, what, and stuff, and so they just dropped all the charges, but um, they put me in anger management, and they put me in um, therapy with my mother, but my mother, after the first day, my mother just walked out, she didn't want to go to the therapy, because I had like a psychiatrist and a therapist, and they asked her, what's troubling you? And she was like, you know, this is not about me. This is about him. And but they had there was trouble in you. And she just got up and walked out. And it was like from there, you know, was, you knew that they knew that it wasn't just me. It was her mostly and stuff. And they kept on trying to call her, trying to get her back into it. But you know, she wouldn't. She wouldn't come because she, I guess, she just holding on to the past. There, she don't want to let go. So, you know. Um, I continued going to therapy, and they found out a lot about me. I mean, at first, I wasn't talking, but um, I don't know if you believe in it, like hypnosis and stuff. Man. I don't know how much people believe in that stuff, but, you know, these the because um, they knew I was homeless, but they wanted answers on to why I was catching so much seizures and what was my problem and everything um, and what was going on between me and my mother, so they... They used to buy me food. They used to give me money. They used to buy me clothes. So, you know, make me feel comfortable with them. And then they just one day said, you know, sit down in chair. We're going to try something new on you. And, you know, I felt comfortable with them. They did the whole hypnosis thing on me and, you know, listening to myself. I never believed in it. Well, you know, after I told them, no, don't ever do that to me again <laughs> and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, they, and they found out a lot. Um, they found out so much that they was like, um, we could put your mother in, in prison for all, 10 years for all this stuff, but I have to confess to it in court. But I told them no, you know, because, you know, I had two younger brothers that needed a mother. So, you know, I wasn't going to do that to her. Mm-hmm. That was really um, brave of you, most definitely. You know, some some people would have gotten so bitter that it was like, well, if I don't have a mom, they don't have a mom, and and would have felt totally fine with that. So, you know, I commend you for that as well because that really showed um, your heart that um, you know your heart hadn't become so hardened that you had the attitude of, well, if she doesn't love me, she's not going to get a chance to love them. So um, I hope um, you say you have a relationship with your younger brothers. Yeah. Good, 
Good, good. I'm glad of that. I'm glad of that. You know, we have a few uh, callers on the line as well. Um, I'm going to ask uh, area code 817 if you would like to make any comments. So give me just a second, Jonathan, and let me see if they'd like to make any comments, okay? Hello, Eric 817. Do you have any questions or comments? Okay. I'm going to place you back on hold. Uh, thank you for listening to the show. Okay? Okay. All right. So basically um, what I also would like for you to um, share, you are also a novelist, and so you've written your biography, and that's neglected but undefeated, right? Yes. So that's that's your biography, but then you're also a novelist, and you've written some romance novels, I, I, I gather, right? Is that the correct genre to call them? Yeah. Romance novels? Okay. All right. But they seem to be kind of centered around true stories your romance novels. So yes. if you want to talk about that um, some before we run out of time, uh, we've got like about 19 more, 19 more minutes in the show. So I want to give you an opportunity to talk about that because you have about, what, six of those? No, um, I have two. only have two novels published. I have two more coming. Okay. Um, uh, there's a book series I have titled Friends to Lovers. Friends to Lovers, yeah, I was inspired by my story. Um, like while I was going through all the, um, I was homeless and um, seeing psychiatrists, therapists. Um, I had police looking for me because they, um, they knew I was, you know, out on the street and everything. Um, living from friend house to friend house. Every time they'll catch me, they'll bring me back to the house. Um, I got put into that uh, homeless shelter for kids, juvenile place. Um, but I I ran out of there and everything. So you know I was just out there on the street. But it was just on um, one day, you know, one of my homeboys I was like really helping me out and stuff. He just came out of nowhere. And he was like, "Yo, come on, John, um, let's go meet this new girl and stuff." And uh, they introduced me to this new girl that had just moved into the neighborhood and. Um, she she was like real nice, real real kind, and she just offered an invitation for a friendship over there. I mean, oh, you know, become good friends with them and stuff out of nowhere, and we ended up becoming like real close. You know, I ended up, you know, like you know, I she liked me at that time, but it was like I felt like. Because I was falling in love with her, I felt like I wasn't gonna live long, so I didn't want to break her heart and stuff. And plus, you know, with my friends and um, going to parties and clubs, I was out there doing my thing as well. And I felt like, you know, she needed like a a good man in her life. So I just wanted to be her best friend and be there for her. So um, <clears throat> it was like at one point, you know, we both had you know feelings for each other, but I guess it was me that I was held back. And um, I always looked at it that, you know, in order for me to, you know, be a good man for this girl, I'll have to change my life. And, you know, I don't want to bring my stress on her. And she always would, you know, want to talk to me and be there for her and everything and stuff. And, you know, she was part of the reason why, you know, I felt like I needed to change the person that I, I was, you know, become a better man in my life. And 
you know, for that special woman to come into my life. And um but you know, things change because you know, I guess not not everybody would wait so long and stuff and you know, plus I never really explained to her why I never really wanted to too much be um be her boyfriend and stuff. Um so the novel Friends to Lovers were just, you know, inspired by that because, you know, we was we was in love but we never really took it that far. Um, I never even try to, you know, like use her, make a move on her because um I love her so much that, you know, I I didn't just want her for pleasure, but I wanted her for, you know, something good in my life. So I and I knew at that age while I was doing all the things that I was doing that it wouldn't, you know, go far and stuff. You know, I wasn't, you know, a true kind of person. So um his friends to love us about, you know, two good friends um, being there for one another and stuff, and out of nowhere, um, while one friend going through a hard time in life um, and needing that um, person to, you know, lift them back up, you know, ended up being his best friend, being there for him and um, exchanging, like, you know, love evenly. And one time he lost his family and felt that you know, he wasn't going to have nobody else in his life to be there for him. You know, it was his best friend that was there for him, you know, no matter what. Um, and even though, you know, she you know doesn't have that much experience in life, she, you know, she ain't back down. She always try to motivate, encourage, and, you know, be there for him. So that story is just motivated by my by experience in my life of, you know, how friends um, sometimes become lovers and, uh, you know, dramatic moments. It's like, you know, a bad situation just ends up turning to um, such a good situation and, and, you know, because of love. And um, I have another novel, it's not out yet, titled Fighting with Come Champions, you know, living on the street and you know, living out in the world, you know, I ended up fighting a lot, getting into a lot of fights, and it just encouraged me that I wanted to become a a boxer at one point in my life. You know, I wanted to become a fighter and stuff. Um, but, of course, I knew I had to get rid of, like, the seizures, and that's that's one reason why, you know, I ended up um, talking to, like, the psychiatrist and therapist about how can I get um, really seizures without me doing a brain surgery because I know if I did a brain surgery there's no chance of me becoming a boxer but and it was all like a mind thing you know I had to control it because it was the seizures were basically like trigger like every time I want to every time I felt anxiety every time I felt anger the person every time I think about the past every time you know I would just sit down and just remember sometimes that my mother would just scream at me and say all this stuff about me, you know, I'm not meant to be here, I want you to die. Every time I think about that stuff, like a seizure would just come on me out of nowhere. And stuff I knew that was like probably like a spiritual type of thing or like something that I had to overpower myself and stuff. But I ended up still having to do the surgery um, because the tumor, um, the tumor ended up growing because, you know, I, I was just sitting down there for like what, four or five years needing brain surgery, but I wasn't able to get it. 
So it was um, at one point there was a goal for me to become a, um, a boxer, uh, which I got tired of fighting to become champions. That's how I never got to become a boxer. So you know, I wrote a story about a young man, you know, like me going through trials, overcoming them, and becoming a you know um, a great fighter and boxer. That's great. That's great. So when um, your other books become available, um, where are they going to be able to be purchased from? And also your your biography, where can they obtain copies of that? Uh, all my books are available online at Amazon.com, um, BarnesandNobles.com. Um, uh, you can you know, visit my my website www.jonathanburkett.com for links and stuff. And um, you can just easily you know type in my name um, on Google search, um, Google Google Books as well as my books and stuff. And um, it's available many places. Um, it's available in paperback, hardback, and and Kindle version. Um, Kindle version are just you know, 99 cents and stuff. Um, and, you know, just looking for support and, and asking you my books and ask all my readers to, you know, re- leave a review on, you know, Amazon or Barnes & Noble so that, you know, other people could, you know, read my book and and uh, get my book into, you know, people, um, young and older people, you know, going through similar life situations that need a little motivation on how, you know, one person made it through, and you know how you should, you know, never give up. Cause, you know, we only live once in this lifetime, so you know, you know, and it's all the time. You know, faith that carry you through. You know, and in so much situations. Believing in myself, 
because at one point, you know, truth, I wasn't um, believing in myself. I was just like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to make it through. So, or, you know, I wasn't meant to be here. So I was just like, um, you know, what's the sense of me trying or what's the sense of me going to school? What's the sense of me even, you know, living? And I'm not meant to be here. Because like I said, you know, mother's love is like the strongest and that's who brings you into the world. And if that person doesn't love you, then I was just feeling that nobody else will. And you just wasn't meant to be here. So I looked at myself as, you know, a mistake, especially after I heard that um, my mother did find out that um, she was pregnant after she got raped by my father, that she wanted abortion, but it was too late for an abortion. So, um, you know, she had to, you know, keep me. and She had to, you know, just go through with it. I don't know if she wants to try to um, kill me while I was in her stomach or whatever, but I don't know anything about that. But um, I know that her friend, you know, wanted her to, you know, keep the baby. And I guess it was her friend that um, told her that, you know, call your, your mother and father and, you know, see if since, you know, she couldn't, you know, take care of me. See if your mother and father would take um, your first child. And they said, yeah. So, you know, I'm happy that, you know, that friend was there and the friend, um, you know, helped her out and stuff and encouraged her to, you know, not, you know, throw me away because I'm reading about so much mothers that, you know, if they don't want the child, and but it's too late for them to... Um, have an abortion is like they'll just um, give birth to the child and they'll leave the child at somebody's door or they'll throw the child into a garbage can or they'll, you know, kill the child, all this stuff I keep hearing about. Um, that's, you know, I, I believe is not right because, you know, giving birth, that's not, it's, that's that's like a America right there. That's that's an amazing thing right there. Um, basically, life's an amazing thing and stuff. You know, there's so much people out there that want children and can't even have children, but still, these people that's able to have children don't want children um, because of the stress, because of what they're going through, um, and everything and they just don't have that motivation behind them or that person behind them to motivate them on why they should keep the child. Um, even like the best thing nowadays when you don't want the child, the best thing to do is to, you know, take it back to the hospital or leave it in the leave the child in the hospital um, and give it to somebody that will take care of that child and stuff, you know. Because, you know, that's one thing I believe is you know, I don't think that, you know, us as humans, we should have the power to take another person's life. You know, I believe that's God's job and stuff, not our job. So, you know, hopefully, you know, my book will, um, you know, open up a few young people, you know, eyes on, you know, how great life is and, you know, how a child should be grown. Um, 
and how you know, we should you know, always have faith and never give up in life no matter the trials and the tribulations that we might face. You know, no matter if people, you know, think, you know, saying that we won't be able to make it because, you know, I look at this life as, you know, we've only got one life. So, you know, this life is, you know, the gift and stuff. So, you know, why not live it the best you can, even if, even if what you want to do and what you want to be, um, even if it is to um, live a rich life, even if it is to live a you know, successful life with a good job, but it's hard for you and stuff, it's the whole fact of you having faith all throughout life. You keep trying, no matter the problems, no matter the, you know, what, what you face, just keep going in life. Have the faith. Believe in your Father God, and He'll carry you through. All right? Exactly. I, I am a living witness to that. You have been an awesome, awesome guest, and I want you to know that the door to Patricia Adams Live is open to you anytime that you'd like to come back. Um, if you want to read part of your book on the show, that's fine, or you have something else that you want to promote, um, that's fine, but please, 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 always I uh, know that you have a door open here, okay? All right. Yeah, and uh, you have been fantastic in um, working with me through the technical difficulties especially. So once again, um, we have been talking to Jonathan Anthony Burkett, and he has written his biography, and it is, what is it again? I'll let you say it. Neglected but undefeated, the life of a boy who never knew a mother's love. Neglected but not defeated, the life of a boy who never knew a mother's love. And I'm so glad that you made it. I'm so glad that you made it through, and I'm so glad that you are telling your story. And, um, again, like I said, any time that you need to promote um, anything that you're doing, your book signing, your book tours or whatever, please stop by the show and let us help you get the word out, okay? All right, thanks. And I know I had talked to you, too, about Mother's Day and Father's Day as well. So if you want to come back during those times, because I'm doing a good mom, bad mom show on Mother's Day Mm -hmm. and a good dad, bad dad (laughs) on Father's Day. So if you want to be a part of that, most definitely I would love to have you back as well for that, okay? Yeah, that's all, and that's, that's that one thing I always paid attention to is, you know, living in, like, different houses and everything and um, seeing how different fathers and mothers were and stuff. That's, um, that's, that's one thing I always used to look at. I always used to study on, you know, you know it's, and it was always the mother that gave, you know, their children the most attention and, you know, the most love and stuff that they felt inspired to become somebody, so you want to make their mother proud because who doesn't want to make their mother proud? Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I tell you what, I'm going to reach out to you for um, a discussion about that, okay, to see if you want to be on the uh, Mother's Day show or if you want to do something before Mother's Day, we can do that as well, Okay. 
And um, once again, uh, we are coming up on the end of the show, and I want to thank you again for being a part of the show, okay? So I am going to do the outro, and I will uh, be back in touch with you, okay? All right, thank you, John. My book, A Child's Rights Violated, Her Terrors and Traumas, shares my voice to my childhood difficulties. And my other books share my voice of response to my childhood difficulties. Find links in the show notes or go to PatriciaAdamsLive.com to be taken to online retailers. If you are in distress currently and need immediate help, call 911. And... You can also reach out to the National Hotline for Child Abuse at 1-800-4-CHILD. 24-7 crisis counselors are available. As we close the show, remember, temporary difficulties end and your response to them determine how you live life after your difficulties. So respond well and live. Tweet about the show on Twitter at Pat Adams Live and comment to our Facebook page at the bottom of the show page. Follow us on the show page to receive notices of the next airing. If you have questions, comments, want to be a guest, topic requests, let me know. Fill out the contact form on PatriciaAdamsLive.com. Thanks for listening. That's the show. Until next time, take care and watch for more from the Patricia Adams Live show. Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high-fiver. I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for.